Hey everybody, thanks for hanging out with me for just a couple of minutes. Here, our focus is being better and healthier than yesterday. Are you better? Are you healthier than you were yesterday? Here, we don't compare ourselves to him or to her. We compare ourselves to who we were yesterday. Self-improvement has no end. Health has no finish line. They are lifelong journeys where we take it one day at a time, and here we do it together. So let's do this. Before I get into the main content, if you want to get in contact with me, email and Instagram are the best ways to get in contact. Email me at benpagedc at gmail.com and on Instagram, benpagedc. And if you listen to this, go to Instagram, tag me on the episode, and I'll tag you right back and we get to know each other. I love to get to know the community and I would love to get to know you. So let's get on to the main content. Well, what a, what a show I have for you today. Um, welcome back to another episode of the Wellness Farm podcast where we focus on health in a natural type of way. And today I have a great guest. Uh, he's JC. I got to know him. Um, well, I'm getting to know him and it's and it's awesome to get to know him. And, and I'm really thinking that he's going to be able to teach us, me and you, the listener, uh, just a little bit more about how we can live a healthy lifestyle. So JC, first of all, kind of introduce yourself to our listeners. We can kind of get to know you a little bit, that windy path of how we always get to where we're at, and then we'll go from there. Beautiful. Um, so yeah, so as Ben was saying, my name is JC or James, but when I first started in the industry, there were quite a few Jameses, so I wanted to distinguish myself. So JC took a hold, um, which was pretty cool. And it's now working my favor with a lot of branding. So, uh, yeah, started off as very much, I think, the same as everybody else in the fitness industry. I qualified as a personal trainer. Well, I actually stopped a little bit before that. Um, always wanted to be aesthetically in shape. Um, I was acting before I did anything else. So I was always trying to kind of keep myself in shape before acting, um, whether that was from an aesthetic point of view or a health point of view. And that then transpired to me wanting to become a fitness instructor because acting is a pretty tough gig. So you want to make some money on the side. And um, yeah, very much like everybody else, I moved into personal training and um, this was 2011. So the huge focus at the time was very traditional, very bodybuilding, very commercial. It was a hint of functional movement, not the same type of functional movement that we now know. Um, functional movement then meant um, anything that wasn't bodybuilding or anything that involved the circuit. So, um, so I naturally found myself moving into that realm um, i found myself more functional i enjoyed circuits i enjoyed more movements i enjoyed trying to challenge my clients a little bit differently um and that was probably where i started and spent the first three years um of my essentially my career is learning about the traditional methods of fat loss muscle gain um, and then strength the kind of traditional methods 2013 um, i qualified as a nutritional advisor um, via Precision Nutrition, which is a globally recognized um, certification. And that just blew my mind. That just opened my mind to holy mackerel. Um, everything that I've learned, because we learned a little bit about nutrition in our, in our personal training, but it just didn't have this kind of depth. And I, and I just, it blew my mind. So that then led me on probably about 18 months of really delving into nutrition, really trying to understand that a little bit more. And that's where I found fasting. Fasting then just completely, I think fasting was probably my introduction to, hang on, I think we've been doing everything incorrectly. And that then translated into my training because I thought, hang on, I can get great results. And I can get all these benefits from not eating. When I've been told for years I need to eat two to three meals, I'm sorry, um, two, every two to three hours, you know, five to six meals. 
And then that kind of then transpired to me thinking, well, you know, is my training incorrect? Is, is what I'm doing? You know, I looked great in certain periods then I looked really heavy. I was really strong. Then I was weak. You know, my, I was cycling through these different phases. Um, and then I went on holidays, um, spent two weeks barefoot in Egypt. Um, I just felt great. Like there was no gym rules, you know, it's Egypt, you can do what you wanted as long as you tipped well enough. Um, and I just didn't, couldn't be bothered putting any shoes. So I was running on the treadmill, training barefoot every day, living barefoot, obviously in and around the complex. Um, I think I put shoes on maybe once on the holidays and that was when we went to the boat. But then as soon as we got on the boat for scuba diving, I you know, didn't wear shoes for the whole day. I got home. And I just kept going. I was working at a private gym that didn't have any rules, which meant that I could, again, carry on with my barefootedness. Um, and that led me then to realize that I really enjoyed it. And it actually helped not only in the gym, but out of the gym. My back started feeling better. Everything started feeling better. Then one of my clients arrived um, with plantar fasciitis. Or I should say we were training together. And that started then really kind of curbing a lot of our fitness journey together because the plantar fascia would irritate him or it would cause him a level of inflammation that meant he couldn't train. And from a business perspective, that kind of annoyed me because, you know, I'm trying to make money here. I'm trying to get this guy results. He was a film producer. So I was also trying to impress him a little bit further than that because I wanted to show him, hey, in the future, if you had any other projects, I'd love to get in on these, act, you know, and help you with your actors. And he just couldn't. And so I referred him out to a physio, um, or two physios actually. Um, and, you know, we got rid of it. So they kind of, they curbed it at least. Um, and then it reappeared and whatever else. So then I started thinking, was it me? Was it what I was doing with him? So I needed to kind of reevaluate how I was training him. But then in the process, I just thought, you know what? I've got a basic understanding. I, I think slightly differently by now, as I said, from that fasting experience that I had, right? Looking at things differently. And I looked at the anatomy of the foot and realized that the plantar fascia, which I knew nothing about at this point, beyond the basics, attached not only to the heel, where most people tend to find that pain, but it was attaching to the big toe. And then documents then on like big toe and the lack of big toe function due to current shoes and the, and the rocker where the, essentially where the shoe comes up. And I just thought, I've never heard anybody talk about the big toe. I've never heard anybody talk about, you know, from a plantar point of plantar fascia point of view, but also from a, just a general functional point of view. And that then delved me into a world of foot health. And that was the, that was probably the origin then of my foot health journey. And um, we fixed plantar fascia and in eight years, he's had it come back once. And that was when he was on holidays wearing thongs or flip-flops, if you're from the UK, um, for too long, which he knew he should not, but he just did. And um, I just thought, geez, there's something in this. And then, yeah, 2015, I qualified as a personal uh, Pilates instructor, then a pre- and postnatal Pilates instructor. I've got certifications with Exos training, certifications with anatomy trains, you know, different online stuff. And it's just been awesome since then. And then we're currently in 2021. I was in London. I had a very successful business in the luxury space. So I was working out of a five-star hotel, working with a lot of celebrities, a lot of actors, models, all of that. Um, but then my wife fell pregnant and we had our first child, Daphne, um, who's currently just over one year old. And yeah, life obviously changed for us then. And then the pandemic hit. And so we just decided to up, up sticks and move to the other side of the world. And I moved from London and I'm now sitting here on the east coast of Australia, uh, chatting to you. <laughs> what a story. I know. Crazy what everyone goes through. It's funny how we all yeah. go through so much, but we we never we never really notice any of that. I mean, we can just talk to somebody, but we never really notice how crazy each and every one of our lives are and all the things we have to go through to get where we are. Yeah. I started barefoot walking because I was 
I was just studying things out. And as I started to learn also, like you were learning, I just like, I'm going to try this in it. I just started to feel great too. One of the big changes I noticed when is I would wake up with more energy. I mean, that's, I remember one, because my life didn't change at all. The only thing I changed was I started walking barefoot, like almost all the time. There was very little shoe, shoe time. And then, and I started having, I started waking up more energized. I was like, it's gotta be that because I didn't, haven't changed anything in my whole life besides that. So it's gotta be that. So I'm excited to talk to you about the feet and we'll, we'll go up from there, but, but what, so that's just interesting to me, the whole fashion and how it connects to the big toe. What's so important about the big toe? I mean, me personally, I've been trying to lift my big toe all by myself, well, all by itself for quite a while now. And I still haven't been able to fully be able to do that. My wife can and my kids can, but I'm still yeah. not there because I probably wore shoes way too much during my life. And I'm still trying to trying to get that 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 communication back to my big toe that I lost due to shoes. So what yeah. let's talk about the foot and how can we how can we make our feet stronger and more healthier? Yeah, great question. I think the big toe is such an interesting topic. And I think the main thing is, well, for me, there's three aspects to it. The first is the fact that it's neglected. It's neglected in all routes, right? You know, it's um, no one ever used it, as we said, right? We don't, you know, we don't lift it anymore. We don't need to use it. I'll talk about that in a second, what's kind of inhibited that lack of use. Um, we don't use our feet as much because we stuff them into shoes. And so we just assume that they're going to, they're going to do what they do, right? They don't, they don't work as an individual, sorry, they don't work in individual pieces. So, you know, um, forefoot, midfoot, and hindfoot, as well as toes, you know, in, working individually, they're just kind of grouped into one, right? It's just one block at the bottom of our, of our body. But the big toe is super interesting. And I think it's mainly due to the fact that there's a huge uh, mind-muscle connection or mind-toe connection, if you like, that we've lost over the years. Again, I'm very dexterous with my um, with my hands, right? I mean, I can grip things and I can push buttons and whatever else, but I can't do the same with my feet. And that just indicates the level that we've lost. I'm not saying that we would have um, this, um, the same level as our hands, but we definitely would have more than we currently have of just, you know, being able to occasionally wiggle our toes. But I think that for me, it's the fact that I actually started the barefoot journey more so in the gym. So I was looking at foot health from a perspective of, um, yeah, trying to help clients with plantar, 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 plantar fasciitis. I was looking at trying to ways in which it actually improved things like deadlift, because we know that when we push the big toe into the floor, it activates the arch and the arch then essentially then, you know, again, for most people, because we're quite flat footed, not saying that we are flat footed, but we're more flat footed than we are kind of neutral in this, in this day and age, because so many shoes have an artificial arch that we don't build it we don't use our own arch we use an artificial arch even if you don't have orthotics you still have an arch in your shoe and so what i found with the pushing the big toe so let's say this thing is the big toe by pushing the big toe what it naturally did was push my feet into a more of a neutral position and so i then didn't have to activate my glutes as much as i thought from a traditional point of view right you know if you're ever deadlifting there's a lot of glute warm-ups there's a lot of but actually the glutes connect to the foot and specifically to the arch and the plantar fascia and the big toe and so what I found was that engaging my big toe first, pushing my big toe into the floor, then driving my knees out, instantly lit up my glutes much more effectively than trying to push my knees out without the big toe. And so that's what then led me to the understanding that it's all connected. 
And I think, you know, same as everybody, right? We all niche down on one thing because we not only then tend to find that it's a, there's a gap in the market for it, I think from a perspective, but also it just becomes an interesting topic. And I think the one, and you probably you the same, when you combine two things of passion and a lack of information or a lack of, um, you know, yeah, a lack of information or, or a lack of a product out there for people, you really do delve into it quite heavily because you start to realize that you, you know your purpose i think everybody has their purpose and they kind of know i've I, my purpose has always been to educate people and help people but i think that over the years the more i've put in the the, the, the better the filter has gotten and i'm now at the point where i'm like right fashion and feet like that's where i really benefit from and that doesn't neglect anything else that i've learned it's just that that's what i teach and i think that you know you know we all need an audience right in order to kind of you know, to, 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 to uh, feed that passion. But ultimately it's the fact, as I said, you know, learning what I've learned, I've noticed that when I help people with their big toe, their feet, the rest of the body falls in line. So yeah, just think of it like the big toe is the first domino, essentially, if you look at it, especially if you're looking at it from a ground up, um, you know, and we can also kind of, the, maybe the brain is the first domino because we need the brain to engage. But ultimately I think from a, a physical or structural point of view, I like to work from the big toe and that is the, that is the first domino. Yeah. And, and what are some of the exercises that you recommend? What are some of the things that you recommend to, to, to not only go on barefoot, but to, to strengthen the, the muscles of the foot and all that stuff? Because, yeah, I believe that, that I believe exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so I think the first thing I started off, as I said, I started off very much in the gym base. There was only probably, um, so everything I did in the gym was barefoot. I trained, I lived, and everything else, but I still wore shoes, right? I wore Vans, I wore Converse. Um, I did wear more flat shoes, so I was in, I was already on that kind of path. Then I invested in some Vivo Barefoots, which are minimal shoes that have you know everything that you want. So I was probably late to the game from a lifestyle perspective, but luckily I was very heavy on the fitness or and training and mobility perspective. So that's probably where I probably gained, you know, I've been able to not only pick up the pace a lot quicker but I've also actually made strides with a lot of my clients as well as a lot of my, um, you know, kind of uh, maybe the, 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 the programs and the protocols that I've created because the lifestyle aspect is actually much easier. It's just taking your shoes off and going for a walk. But it was only until last year that I really, probably yeah, February last year that I really started walking barefoot outside. We're living in London, so it wasn't quite the done thing. Done thing. Here and you know we're coastal, so um, I have more shoes. I wore shoes every now and again, and I occasionally wear thongs or, or flip flops, depending on where you are from the UK. Um, but in terms of strength, foot strengthening, I think the first thing is about mobilizing the foot, and that's probably where my original introduction came um, into foot health came from. I just didn't realize it. So 2011, when I qualified as a personal trainer, I was working with like, then a more functional. Person, um, you know, instructor essentially, the guy that was teaching me how to be a personal trainer. He was very much into kettlebells. Now, again, kettlebells are kind of the norm now, but in those days, kettlebell was maybe a bit more offset because a lot of people were CrossFit had just come into play and everything else. So people were kind of barbell dominant. And so kettlebells weren't really thought of much. And he got me to roll out my feet to enhance the length of my hamstring before I deadlifted. And again, you know, I, I've been doing that for years, but I didn't really make the connection. I just thought this works. It alleviates tension in my hamstring. Awesome. So that's probably where I come back to now is alleviating the tension because ultimately, you know, we can work the big toe, we can work the intrinsic muscles, but 
the problem for me, and I think this is where we tend to find a lot of mistakes is from a fascial point of view, if we add tension on top of tension, then essentially the, the structure becomes more rigid, it becomes more, it becomes stiffer. So what we actually need to do is find the balance, right? We need the ability to tense, to create tension or create torque, create power, but we also need the ability to relax. And that's why we have that kind of contract and relax mentality is that if one, if you want to look at it from a muscle point of view, muscle-based theory is that one muscle contracts and the other one relax, relaxes. The problem being is that we have numerous levels of fascia. We have superficial fascia. We have myofascia, which is what I think a lot of people understand from foam rolling point of view. So the myofascial release, essentially the fascia that wraps around the muscle. But we have deep lying fascia, which connects to the organs, which connects to different lines in the body. You know, if you're a meridian fan, if you're a lymph fan, if you're a reflexology and energy fan, they all kind of follow the same protocols. And again, you know, which come first, chicken or the egg, you know, we don't quite know, right? You know. But all we do know is that there's something to it because all of these different professions find that there is a connection from the feet up. And so the big toe is great and you can add some exercises to that, but we need to mobilize it first. And that's where rolling out your feet, essentially decreasing the amount of restrictive shoes that we wear and walking about. And just by going barefoot, you're instantly increasing the intrinsic muscle because every step you take not only has contact, or we call them vibrations, right? So every time you hit the floor, there's a small vibration through the muscles, through the tendons, through the ligaments, through the fascia, because, you know, we, hit the, we have physical contact with the floor. But there's also the sense of when you walk on uneven surfaces or you walk on a variety of surfaces, you get a stimulation back. Now, fascia has a higher amount of sensory input than muscle. So that's why it's quite an interesting concept. And again, it's based on hands versus feet, right? The top of your feet, the skin on the top of your feet is completely different to the, to the skin on the bottom. And that they're built like that. And one of the interesting things I was reading the other day, which is super cool, the reason that we wrinkle when we get in the water, people think that it's, you know, essentially it's just that they kind of, the, the skin taking on too much water or whatever else. It actually is built, and you think of your feet, it's actually built to help us walk in water. Because you think about it, right? We've, we've originated from that kind of water-based um, theory, you know, in a sense that, you know, a lot of us, when we were, we didn't have shoes or whatever else, we still had to bathe, we still had to get water, we still had to walk across different terrains. So our feet would essentially develop these grips. And the grips are now what we unfortunately only get when we get in the bath for too long, because we just don't physically have to use them anymore. And so building your feet, the best thing you can physically do is take your shoes off because you're doing two things there. You're eliminating uh, restriction. You're eliminating something that is causing a lot of your uh, weaknesses. And in the same time, you're then essentially then naturally building strength through your habitual life. So for instance, if you live on a hill, if you live in the grass, you know, sorry, if you've got a back garden or whatever, you get to then just absorb all of that. But the main important thing is, is just taking your shoes off. And then we can delve into a little bit more. And that's what I want to get into is just essentially it's increasing your mobility or increasing your strength or decreasing your pain. And you would know this. It's not necessarily about in adding something in. I think the first thing is about taking something out. And that for me is where I, I, I focus more on, hey, remove your shoes and roll your feet. Because I'm adding something in, but I'm taking something out. And I'm covering my bases, but ultimately I have to take something out in order to make sure that not only is there room for another habit, because again, you know, we want to make sure that we are, you know, that a lot of people need to get rid of bad habits, 
but ultimately is that you know you can roll out your feet a thousand times a day if you're then going to put some posh italian shoes on that are super tight and super super restrictive then and spend nine hours in those then unfortunately you're not going to get the benefits um but then we can start moving into you know essentially if you think about it training for the foot and that's where i think a lot of things are taken off now and as i said i i was more training until last year now i found that the benefits actually are removing shoes first but benefits such as training barefoot so again you know i think it's one of those things where when we're trying to challenge ourselves so for instance if you're doing a lunge um then you know if you're in a shoe there's a lot of instability in the ankle and the reason being is that you're on a platform you're on a cushioned foam um you know kind of essentially a, a heightened um foam um, piece of material and so unfortunately for most people they don't build the intrinsic feet of the muscle because the foot's locked in in the shoe so the foot's not doing anything so where does all of that pressure get translated to the ankle and that's why we find that a lot of people tend to have a lot of ankle issues or lack of ankle mobility is because you know the ankle takes the brunt of the work and so removing your shoes and training barefoot instantly you know you have to grip the floor you also find that you can't lift as heavy weights because why well, because now you're not facilitating movement through um, essentially bouncing or through an artificial support. You actually have to use the support that you perform with. So training just from a, you know, again, this is just a lifestyle change, right? You know, there's no specifics here. It's just taking your shoes off, doing what you normally do, but doing it barefooted. And then you can start looking at things like exactly as you said, trying to lift the big toe, trying to um, you know, push the big toe down into the floor. For me, pushing the big toe down into the floor is a huge difference because as I said, it activates the arch and it stimulates the arch. And so again, for most people, given that if you look at your shoes, they have a bit of a, uh, essentially a rocker. So the front of the shoe tends to come up and that was built in to help us walk. Um, and unfortunately, the problem being there is that, um, you know, we've got a natural natural rocker already on the foot and they call the toes and they've now been put aside because you now got this artificial rocker which is trying to help you propel forward and the toe then has lost its ability to become a functional big toe which propels us forward which stabilizes the foot because as i said most people tend to fall inward that's why we tend to find more flat feet these days um you know not only a loss of arch or loss of the, the, the strength of the plantar fascia but the big toe isn't pushing isn't pushing them back to a neutral position. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's there's numerous ways of doing it, but I think the easiest thing for people to understand is remove the lifestyle restrictions, um, train barefoot, and then you know when you are then trying to train, if you're deadlifting or if you're kettlebell swinging, try and push your big toe into the floor. Actively start with the big toe because that resets the foot, but that also engages the foot. And if you're doing it right, the first few times you do it, you'll probably cramp pretty quickly because you're just not used to it. So that's when you um, that's when you kind of know you're on the right the right track. And I'm going to try that because I've never really focused on a big toe first. So I'm going to definitely try that. And I'll let you know if I start to cramp up. I'm probably because yeah. yeah, that's, like, that's one thing. That's one thing that I've had. a. That's one thing I, I've not been able to do yet is lift my big toes off the ground with my toe with the rest of my toes on the touching the ground. But my wife and my kids have it. Like I said earlier, I'm like, man, too much shoes. <laughs> and I've been, and I'm the only one in my household that really basically lives barefoot and they can still do it. And I still can't do it. I was like, man, you must've really wore some terrible shoes as a kid. <laughs> but I was, as you were talking about ankles, 
it is that's something I've noticed with my patients. Um, I think I, I would almost say 100% of them have a lot of lack of motion in their ankles. We have to work yeah. ankles constantly. I mean, it, there, there's yeah. there's so much lack of motion, and and that's that's due to not being barefoot, correct? I mean, yeah, that's one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons why I want to be barefoot because it's yeah. yeah, I see it, I see it all over the place, just like you were saying, but. Yeah. So the first thing was just learn how to push your big toe into the ground then. So, well, first of all, take your shoes off. Try to live yeah. shoe, shoe free as much as you can, but then just actually pushing your big toe into the ground would probably be step one then for most people. Yeah, I think, um, so I have this very simple process, right? And I put it up numerous times on my Instagram feed. Um, the idea behind for me is just the simplest. And so I call them foot health, foot health essentials. And so we remove our shoes, we roll out our feet, you know, to put more stimulation into the bottom of the foot. Um, and, I, and again, you know, from a training perspective, this big toe function, big toe action, um, but also just surface exposure. And again, most of our living conditions are pretty flat, right? Wooden floors, concrete, marble, whatever you live on, um, they're pretty flat. And so they don't actually give much back to the body. Um, so surface exposure is another thing that I tend to speak a lot to a lot of people about, whether that's grass, wood, trail, mud, rocks, pebbles, anything. And again, you know, even just the doormat at the back of the door, right? You know, that we've had for years, that kind of bristly doormat that you would sometimes, you know, wipe your shoes in. Like those kind of things are also great, right? Because the feet are just not used to any stimulation because they're cushioned, they're covered, um, and essentially they're pinned, they're restricted into that, into that, into that, into that, what we call a shoe-shaped foot. Um, and going back to the ankle situation, yeah, I think, you know, I think shoes have had a huge problem with this is that, all right, we're not using our bodies to their fullest capabilities. We know that, right? We're sitting more than we should. We're not squatting down. We're not having to physically pick anything up off the floor anymore. If something's heavy, we've got fork lifts for it now. You know, even if you go to like Ikea, some of the stuff where you could probably lift it up yourself, like you're not allowed anymore because of health and safety. They don't want to be sued. So no one's really picking anything up with any force apart from when they're in the gym. So it's a good reason to get in the gym and have some stimulation from that point of view. Um, but in ankles, right, you know, like most he most shoes are healed and, you know, even men's. Um, and so the idea then is that I've talked about this numerous times is that, you know, if you've got to say a two inch heel, that's going to instantly then put your center of gravity more into the forefoot, more into the, into the toes, but it's also going to shorten the calf. And then you take your shoes off and you've got a shortened calf that's trying to do the work of a, you know, of, of maybe an inch or two that was there, currently there. And that's why we see such a, a lack of dorsiflexion in, in so many people. Um, and that stems then into how they position themselves because, you know, in order to correct themselves, they then start to kink the body in other positions like the hips or the lower back because the, the eyes, you know, the body wants to have a sense of equilibrium. It wants to have, you know, our proprioceptive skills try to balance us, right? And we use our eyesight for that. Um, but the problem is, is that we tend to overcorrect because of our environment. And I've said this before, like, for instance, if I carry women, obviously a culprit for this, if they carry a handbag on their right shoulder all the time, well, over the years, they're going to be pulled down to their right hand side. Now, I know that I'm leaning to my right. So my proprioceptive skills or my system wants to take me back to neutral. So what does it do? It brings my head back into alignment because I want to be straight. But that's why so many women then have that drop shoulder you know, or they have then a heightened hip or, or they have, you know, shortened calves. And so the body is such a unique thing. It's such a marvelous thing because it's built to keep us alive. But 
I like to look at it from the perspective of, you know, we input environmental aspects, which change a lot of our mechanics. And they're, they're kind of the biggest culprits, I think, because, you know, the lack of movement is one thing, but I think the, 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 the constant, the constant, not only the lack of movement, but the constant habitual positions that we adopt now, such as sitting too much, sitting on the sofa, how we sit, um, you know, also contributes to that as well as shoes, as well as, you know, carrying too much, as well as clothing, right? You know, we've got this, you know, no one really wears clothes that are comfortable anymore. They've usually got a, um, they've usually got a, a certain structure to them or they have a certain point to them, right? You know, women wear high heels because, you know, it, it adds to their outfit. It, you know, whether it gives them power or whether it makes them feel sexy or whatever. Guys wear narrow shoes because, you know, they like to wear really nice shoes. They wear skinny jeans, you know, which again is only going to restrict the body because as soon as you start adding in restrictions, it doesn't matter, you know, for, for however long, the body's going to have to compensate somewhere else. And going back to your ankle example, that's what I'm seeing from a foot perspective as well as a fascial perspective is that um, the the level of footwear that we that we are currently wearing as well as the type has caused these natural changes in our visual system and then through proprioceptive changes especially through that the head leaning with the head we've now got these bodies that are dysfunctional that essentially are lopsided or you know slight scoliosis or, or extreme scoliosis because you know there's spinal there's a, I'm sorry there's they, you know a lot of people are born with scoliosis but then there's what I would deem as habitual scoliosis. So there's essentially changes to the to the spines, changes to the hip function, to, to the hip structure, due to the fact that you know we sit into one hip all day, or you know, or or we had an injury and we didn't recover correctly, and you know I broke my right ankle and I spent then nine weeks leaning into my left side. So now I wonder why my left side's a little bit tighter. And yeah, and so it, it manifests itself. And then you know I, people come to me and I'm. My, the way in which I assess them and speak to them about their history, like, hey, did you what kind of sports did you do as a kid? Um, you know, did you have bad did you have bad feet? Do you have any surgeries? Do you have any scarring? Do you have any this? And they're like, no one's ever asked me these questions. And I'm like, it's probably one of the reasons why you've never been able to fix yourself is because, you know, people put a lot of things to the wayside and just be like, oh, you you know, you know, your bad posture. Oh, you need to strengthen your back muscles. And you kind of sit there and go, okay, that's one way of looking at it. But, you know, if that was the case, then everybody, you know, that goes to the gym would have much better posture. But, you know, it's, it, there's a lot more going on there. And there's a lot of, you know, not only uh, general patterns, so postural patterns that we tend to find, right? Rounding of the shoulders coming from our lifestyle. But then there's individual aspects or individual context on top of that. And I think that's where we tend to lose people. And shoes are a perfect example. Um, you know, if you danced when you were younger, if you did you know, ballet, right? If you, for girls that do ballet, well, they've gone from being in ballet where there's no support to now being in an office where they're working in high heels. Like they've gone from one extreme to the other. They've gone from something that is, yes, they have the ability to stay in their toes and the heels, probably, the high heels probably don't affect their calf as much, but their feet are destroyed. They're boxed, they're squared, their lack of arch, there's, you know, uh, the, uh, the the calves are usually over tight because they're overstimulated. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of contextual stuff to go into, but ultimately, yeah. um, you know, we've, we, we've got to understand that there are general patterns, which I think is what I try to get across on my Instagram page. Like, hey, these are the common things that I'm seeing based on these habitual um, changes, such as we sit too much, but then there's the contextual stuff. And I try to get into that a little bit on Instagram. It's hard because I don't, you know, I don't want to give advice, but I try to say, hey, if this is some, you know, or if you play soccer, these are all the things that I see with my professional soccer players. 
you know, because I know that there's a standing leg versus a kicking leg. There's a natural twist in the pelvis because they're constantly kicking with one leg while the other one's planted. Um, so you do try to get into that, but yeah, but it's, um, it's such a fun game when you get into it, but ultimately you start to realize that, you know, it's like an onion. There's just so many layers to peel. And everyone's so, everyone is so, um, they're all, they're we're all the same, but distinct in, in our own special ways. Yeah. And yeah. And I was, you were talking about all that and what, what, what it brought me back to is, well, first of all, I wanted you to kind of, before I forget, I wanted you, so what is the foot rolling real quick before I forget? Cause I yeah. want to ask you that. So what, I mean, is that just a, just any type of a ball and you just, yeah. what, how do you roll on your foot real quick? So, um, actually a bunch of them. Where's the other one go? There you go. So I always go, I have like 25 of these in a bag in the back of my car because I use them not only in classes, but I use them with my clients and sometimes my clients don't have any sort of thing. Um, so essentially the idea is, so fascia is a connective tissue that wraps the whole body, okay? So I try to explain this to people as a simplicity of nets. So if you were to essentially pull on a net, you would not only create a bit of tension in where you're pulling, um, but you would also then create a bit of tension somewhere else, right? So the end of the net. And so it, let's take my t-shirt. So again, I, I'm assuming that some people will be watching, some people will be listening, but also I'll try and, try and give that, that the audio aspect as well. But for instance, if I pull my t-shirt, you can see how it starts to disrupt the position on my neck, okay? So I'm pulling down from the bottom, but it's affecting the, the neckline, okay? And that's the same with the t-shirt. If you pull the sleeve of a t-shirt, say on my left-hand side, the left hand neck the, the, of the t-shirt starts to potentially become dysfunctional. And that's the thing with fascia is that your problem in your feet or your problem in your lower back isn't usually, sorry, isn't, the problem in your lower back isn't usually a problem in your lower back. It's usually something else, right? So usually you weight distribution or, or this fascia pulling. So rolling out essentially um, just releases that tension. So everyone is, you know, foam rolled it's very much the same thing but obviously it's more pinpointed and you can't really use a foam roller for your foot so you get into a ball specifically now there's one thing that i want to highlight here is that um fascia doesn't have a circulation of blood you know so like when we when we warm up before we train we we essentially we put heat into the body and we increase our circulation but fascia does have a hydration aspect so i try to explain that the same as circulation it's not blood it's essentially collagen and water. So when we then, when we don't use the, the fascia or when the fascia becomes restricted, i.e. in shoes for too long, it becomes dehydrated. And like anything that's dehydrated, it becomes brittle, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. We want to essentially put warmth or hydration into the foot or into, into the fascia. And I, the best way to describe this is if you grab a new bag of plastic bands, and you instantly try and pull that elastic band too far too quickly, it's going to snap. But if you pulled on it a few times to put a bit of warmth and put a bit of hydration into it, you can get much more out of it, right? You, you know, you can pull it because you've essentially broken up that collagenous um, or broken up the, the rubber a little bit so that it's not stiff. And that's what we want to do with our feet. So there's a variety of balls. I use the, so I'm holding up a rubber ball now for those that are, that are listening. It's kind of like a dog ball, rubber, bounces very well. And then I'm holding up a slightly harder ball, which doesn't have as much give, still rubber, but it's much, much harder. 
And the idea is that when you roll out your foot, you literally put the ball underneath your foot, you roll forwards, you roll backwards, you roll side to side, you roll around in circles. The idea is that it breaks up that fascia or puts hydration into it so that it becomes a much more effective rubber band. So it's not only able to absorb more, but it's also to give more back. And so again, going back to the elastic band analogy, if I were trying to, you know, old school and, you know, trying to maybe put a pin on the end and use it as a little bit of a catapult, um, I'm going to get much more response out of it if I've warmed the elastic band a few times before I try and pull it. That's the same there. Um, a variety of balls are key. Now, my difference here or where I differ to other foot health professionals, they use cork balls. Some of them use lacrosse balls, you know, harder balls or whatever. I personally like a ball with a bit of give. And again, that's why I use a rubber ball. But I also like one that's got maybe grooves or lumps and bumps because it pulls on the skin, right? You're doing this barefooted. So again, what we tend to find is that as I'm rolling over, it's kind of pulling on the skin. And when I, again, going back to my point earlier, we know that there's a superficial fascia, which is just below the skin. And we know that there's myofascia, which wraps the muscle. And we also know that then there's deep lying fascia. So you look at the plantar fascia, the bottom of the foot, the bottom, there's everything's connected there. So you essentially, by pulling on the skin, you're releasing that general, um, you're releasing the general super fascia, uh, superficial fascia. By then rolling the foot itself and all the smaller muscles, you're getting into that myofascia aspect. But you're also digging deep into that deep fascia, especially in the foot more specifically, because again, that plantar fascia is connected to so much in the foot. Um, and it's also connected to the ankle and it's connected to the Achilles. A lot of Achilles issues are down to um, weak arches and weak arches usually come with a plantar fascia issue. So yeah, so anyone kind of trying to get into it, I don't, I, I don't disagree with harder balls. As I said, I keep a lot of them around, but there's gotta be a progressional aspect to this. So getting something that's got a bit of give in it is going to allow you to dictate how much pressure you put into it which allows you then to essentially dictate the amount of stimulation or sense, sensation that you put into the foot. Um, and, you know, it's the same with anything that you can go too hard too soon and then cause inflammation, or you can just cause a bit of pain. And ultimately, if you're not enjoying it, you're not going to do it often enough. But if it feels good, you're going to do it more. And having a ball with a bit of give, um, again, very much similar to it. I'm holding up very much a ball similar to a dog ball. That's where I like to describe it. So if you, you know, if you think of a dog ball that's got a good bounce that you can throw out, um, you know, in the field, then that's what you kind of want to aim for. Tennis balls are great, but they lose their shape and they lose their structure pretty quickly. That's why, um, you know, something more robust, whereas, you know, you end up going through 12 or 15 tennis balls in a couple of months because, you know, the first time you use them, it's great. And then as you start to put more pressure into it, the, the little white seams tend to tend to come apart. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was awesome. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to start doing that too. I don't really, I don't really roll that much. I mean, so I'm basically, I'm barefoot all the time, but I'm going to start working my fascia just a little bit more because I know it's yeah. going to help overall. I mean, even if we're doing, even if we feel pretty good, it only can help. It only can help. So even if you don't have yeah. foot pain or any of that stuff, do it anyway, because it's going to help. It's going to help anyway. And, yeah. and talking about how, so the whole, our movements, our, our positions, our, our bodies adapt to these positions, which will eventually cause those stressors, which will eventually cause the problems that most of us are, well, most people are experiencing today. And that's, yeah. and that can start from the foot and that goes up. And a lot of times it does start with the foot and it goes up. I, I also believe, like you were saying, it also starts with the neck and you can go down. 
because how yeah. you, like you're saying uh, we have to be we have to be perpendicular to the to the horizon i mean our, our equilibrium our proprioceptors always want our, us to look perpendicular to the horizon so i mean it can happen here but a lot has to do with the foot and if we can fix the way we walk fix the strength in those muscles that have become so weak due to shoes and all that stuff i mean we're going to see an overall improvement in how we feel and when we feel better life just seems to be so much more simple i mean we could go on yeah. talking so much i would actually love to maybe bring on another day and then go from the foot into the lower back and all those muscles and everything yeah, like that in the, in, in the hip and the low back. Cause we've already, we've already gone uh, over 40 minutes. And I mean, it's crazy how fast time goes when you're having a great time, but yeah. So maybe can, I can get you back and we can talk, we can go from the foot to the, to the pelvis and in, in, in the lower back region and talk about how we yeah, can definitely. kind of, how we can kind of work around those things. Um, what do you think about that, yeah. JC? Yeah, no, I put a post up the other day, you know, 95% of lower back issues originate in the foot. And I've said this, right? Um, you, know, you just put a perfect example there. We're looking at the base. We're looking at the roots, right? And again, you come back to it, or if we use a tree analogy, you know, when a tree needs to survive, it spreads its roots far and wide. Not only is it a better ability for them to, for it to gain nutrition, because again, you know, it has, it has further field to pull on. But it also makes sure that if, you know, if the weather changes, if it rains or, you know, or heavy, it's got deep roots. Not only do the roots go deep, but they go far and wide. It's the same with our feet. Most people are walking around on very narrow roots, very shallow, narrow roots. And so they wonder why they have falls. They wonder they have, they have all these problems. Um, and again, considering that we are on our feet most of the time and considering that they're also, this is another reason why I work on feet specifically, is there an untouched area of the body? You know, we don't, we don't focus on them. So yes, okay, there's, they, 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 in my opinion, they, they're huge um, in terms of improving health, but they're also an untouched area. They're also kind of a, that's why they yield such, such results is because no one touches them. And the fact that no one touches them has led to a lot of issues just in general. But on the flip side, it's also the fact that there's so much in there that we just have lost over the years that, you know, again, putting any, any work, even if it is just rolling out your feet or taking your shoes off, you know, there's a transitional period. The first, you know, couple of months, you feel a little bit awkward and the body has to, again, the equilibrium has to readjust or whatever else. But that long-term prospect is that you feel much better. Um, we didn't get into grounding or anything, which obviously I'm, I'm, I, you know, I know you're a huge fan of. And there's that, right? There's the spiritual aspect, the energy aspect, you know, there's all of those. Um, but ultimately, you know, I'm looking at it from a pain perspective, um, I've even had one client with, with, a, with a bad right shoulder, bad right shoulder and a left foot problem, you know, uh, and, you know, high arches for years and essentially a really a tight arch, an arch that was pulling on it. And we worked through that, worked through the big toe, not only now her toes straight, straighter than they were, but she also doesn't have the pain in her shoulder. Why? Because the body, the, 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 the feet are now functional. The feet are now with what they should be doing, which means the hips stack correctly, which means her shoulders stack correctly. So. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's and that's. I mean, it, it's everything is interconnected. Yeah, just as you said, everything is interconnected from the foot to the shoulder. Yeah, and I mean, and that's why we need to work as 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 holistic. As every, we need to work with everything. And like you were saying, it's not just it's just not your posture, but the grounding effect. I mean, all those other. Just being barefoot, there's so many good things to it. So we'll have to continue this conversation because we just got into just the. The beginning of it i mean we really didn't get too much into it yeah. so jc i'll have to come um have you come back on but how can how can um how can my how can listeners get to know you more 
so they can get to they can really dive into this yeah so you can follow me on instagram at rewild with jc um or rewild with jc.com um and that's probably the two best places to follow me i do have a facebook as well under the same name but i think i'm probably more active on on instagram and obviously have my website but yeah, ultimately, you know, I just want people to understand that there is so much to this. And I'm hoping that a few things resonated with them, which even just make them take their shoes off and roll out their feet. But um, but yeah, you know, it's it's one of those topics that, as I said at the start, when you not only realize that there's a, a need for it in the community, so people are reaching out, asking questions about it all the time, you become pretty passionate. And like most things, is it, you, know, you know, you can speak on it for hours because there's so much to talk about. So, but um, but yeah, whenever you're ready, I'm ready and I'll be back on and we can maybe delve a little bit more specifically into a specific topic because ultimately there are so many of them to choose from. Oh yeah. And and they're all interrelated. That's what makes it so beautiful. I mean, if we can talk about the foot, but if we're talking about the foot, if you do these certain things, you're going to see the, the, the repercussion effects throughout your, your entire, your entire body. So that's what makes it so beautiful. You talk about something, but it's going to help in everything <laughs> well awesome well thanks a ton for coming on jc i appreciate this um my, i imagine my listeners are gonna love it and then yeah we'll definitely get you back on and, and go for and go up from the feet we'll go up from there <laughs> beautiful thank you very much i sure hope you enjoyed that episode i loved hanging out and talking with jc and i learned quite a bit this is a grassroots movement so the only way we grow is by you getting the word out needs to get out there so the more we can get this out there the better share this with anybody you know that could get value from it post on it on instagram tag me and again i'll tag you right back let's get out there let's share this stuff so we can live our lives just a little bit healthier and don't forget to say hi to jc and check him out on instagram wild with jc tag him let you know that you got to know him through through this interview and let's live our lives just a little better one.